you have reached a phone call from Paul, a literary hub podcast. To hear more, visit lithub.com. Part 2 of Paul Holden Graber's conversation with Tracy K. Smith. You mentioned the, the need to understand your, your mother's deep belief in God, and then your, your father had such a different life, and especially professionally speaking. I wonder what it was like for you to, to grow up to someone who worked with the Hubble telescope. Yeah. Um, you know, my dad had such a an orderly and systematic view of the world and of nature. Yeah. Felt really consoled by that. You know, you're a child and the world is <clears throat> strange and large and in a lot of ways you feel powerless. But being beside somebody who seemed to understand how things worked and how when they ceased to work to get them to work again, somehow that, that was reassuring. Um, I also didn't feel, you know, there's, I guess, there is a big distance between the way that my mom's faith was the anchor in her life and the way that my dad's view of, of science was his. But they both grew up in the South. They both came out of the black church. And while for my father, I think belief was real, it was probably also something that helped to uh, solidify um, another kind of structure, right? If, if he's somebody who believed in laws and rules and order, I can imagine that the... Um, decorum of belief and the discipline of it um, was something that was valuable to him, even just as a, you know, as a, as a private person. I can also very clearly understand how growing up in segregated Alabama, the community of the black church, and the rules that said, if you do this, you will be safe, not only in the eyes of God, but also in Alabama, where people are watching you and not always kindly. Um, I can understand how that was important for them and something that they also wanted to, to pass along to their five kids. Have you have you seen this new new collection that Jasmine Ward has brought out called The Fire This Time? I have not like held a copy of it yet, but I just I, I've I've just like seen an announcement about it, so I'm really interested yes, in, in what's inside. Because j- just as you're speaking, I'm 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 thinking, you know, both about what Jasmine writes, what Kevin Young writes, what Edwidge Danticat writes. I think the subtitle of the book is A New Generation Speaks About Race. And in many ways, you know, given the title, it is deeply indebted to someone I think matters to you as well quite quite importantly is, is James Baldwin. Right. And, you know, I am... At this moment, in this in this um, election looming large, I think these questions just us confront us so so importantly and so urgently. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of in some ways it's sort of heartbreaking to think that uh, this my generation is is a or the new generation when the problems that we're you know confronting are the same, <laughs> yes. relatively unchanged. Um, it, 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 I, rem- I remember feeling at, at one time, that doesn't even feel so long ago, that the history that, that 
we were talking about when we talked about race and and discrimination and, and progress and protest was my parents' and grandparents' generation. And I realized that that generation never went away, I guess. You, you thought you, you somehow you would move on. Um, in some way, in in a in a stronger in a stronger realm. Yeah. And yet, and yet, way, so much, uh, so much that I, while I knew, was not resolved. That I imagined we had somehow found a way of um, being polite about, or be, being reasonable about. That we knew um, what we felt. And, and by we, I don't even know if I'm really talking about myself, but, you know, anxieties about race in America. At least I thought Americans knew how to behave. And somehow all of that com- decorum and composure went away, I think, when Obama um, became the president. So much um, anxiety and hatred seemed to kind of rise to the surface of, of um, public discourse beginning in, in 2008. Um Reminding us that okay, things perhaps had been quiet, but never gone. You know, there's there's a, a quotation by by James Baldwin. I want to to read to you and have you react to. It seems so germane to what you just said about hatred. He says, "I imagine one of the reasons people cling to their hate so stubbornly is because once hate is gone, they will be forced to deal." With pain. Mm. I think that's so beautiful. Uh, he's so smart. <laughs> Isn't he? Yeah. I mean, also just realizing that this is something that, you know, the past is something that will not go away unless we can truly reckon with it. And um, I think the past has a lot to do with pain um, and shame, right? This is what we have done to each other. And uh it hurts to have to acknowledge that. Um, you know, Brian Stevenson now um, um, is um, creating site memorials, sites around the country uh, of lynching sites, mm-hmm. markers to to remind to remind people where the the lynchings happened because he believes very much in the way you just spoke that we we need to in some way confront that past oh definitely um think about how how good germany <laughs> has been at acknowledging the shame of its its own history it's exactly what he says and the Equal Justice Initiative in Alabama exactly believes that. You know, you know how do you how do you reckon and reconcile if you don't confront? Yeah, I really I really hope this comes into not just the kind of discourse that intellectuals have, right? But the political discourse, and I guess Brian Stevenson is is well positioned for for helping that to happen. Um, my, my huge question for the next, you know, eight years is, is there a way that the the vocabulary of love, as opposed to the vocabulary merely of tolerance, um, can come into what we, how we talk about life as citizens, you know, how we think about policy and, 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 and what the Constitution might help us to 
to accomplish that, that has less to do with just protecting ourselves from each other. The vocabulary of love. Yeah, I mean, saying saying hate, that's a, that's a big step. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it, it's, it's also just a short hop away from thinking about its inverse. But, um, it's such an extraordinary way of, of phrasing um, a hope for the future, you know, and, and, and how, how that might come about, you know, how, how will a, a certain discourse of, of love and kindness come about? Yeah. I, I wonder, I'm going to quote to you another line by, by Baldwin that I, I love, and maybe then have you talk a little bit about some of the books that, that maybe matter to you and that have helped you sh- have helped shape the way you 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 look upon the world he says you think your pain and your heartbreak are unprecedented in the history of the world but then you read mm-hmm. yeah i mean it takes us back to that idea of being accompanied right and and alone right um, right the the, the books that mean something to us affirm what we what we think we know, and they also remind us that there, there are other versions of that same story, some that we wouldn't even think to call the same story had we not stopped and, and, and really taken them in. Um, oh, gosh, it's hard. I, I feel like a lot of those books are, are poetry. I feel like the the work of Lucille Clifton, you know, I have this beautiful collected poems of Lucille Clifton on my desk, which um, came out just a few years ago. Um, but her her work has always been thinking so powerfully about those things, like um, the reality of hate and also the power of love and not just love within the black community, but uh, love of the planet. Um, a willingness to imagine that there is some realm beyond ours that is watching um, with love or compassion. And her, I think it's her last um, published collection, Mercy. She's got a sequence of poems called Messages from the Ones. Um, and in the 70s, she she spent a lot of time playing with Ouija boards, and she, she took it rather seriously. In her papers at Emory, there are thousands of pages of Ouija board transcripts, and um, I think that, in part, the, that poem cycle, which is very brief um, and, and so beautiful and also chilling and prophetic, um, I think it, it comes down, if not to real messages that she received, and certainly to this feeling that there is something beside us with a different kind of, of agency and knowledge and that wants to see us succeed. Um, it, 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 it's filtered through those poems so so beautifully. Um, Tracy, you were mentioning that those poems reside on your table. Are they there by you? Yeah. Can you reach the, the, the volume you were talking about and the, those short poems? And Is there one or another you would like to read? I'd love to hear you read a poem oh, of hers. Oh, I'd love to do that. If you just give me time to get to yeah, abs- the Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll, I, 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 I will wait. And, and uh, I, I just would love, because I'm, I'm not very familiar, and perhaps 
a different way of saying not at all familiar and i would love to i would love to hear you read and have people who are overhearing and eavesdropping on our call hear you read a poem by her okay um well this is the very first one beginning of message your mother sends you this you have a teapot others have teapots if you abuse them they will break you have a gift others have gifts if you abuse them you understand she advises you you are special to her she advises you we are not she I'm going to skip ahead, of course, to another poem. So this is like a, you know, I, I read these as, as poems that are really these encounters. And she was actually my teacher many years ago. Um, and she talked about, um, you know, hearing these voices come to her and, and really believing them. And that was the first time I'd been in a workshop where we weren't thinking about the nuts and bolts of language on the page, where, where she was actually talking about, um the very real notion that poems might be receptive to something that's not just the poet's imagination. <clears throat> I think I was really frightened and also um, excited by that possibility. I think it's definitely shaped what I what I imagine um, I might be trying to hear. So it's it's a, it's a, again a form of listening, yeah, and again I'm, a form of being in this particular case inspired and perhaps. It sounds terribly romantic, but visited by a muse. Yeah, this is a, a, a kind of straight-talking muse. Um, can I read you two more? If you can read me even three more. Okay. <laughs> we are here between the lines. You reach through us to raise your morning cup. You have assigned us countries of the dead, but we are neither dead nor emigrant. We are just here where you are. Some of you have been blessed or cursed to see beyond yourselves into the scattered, wrongful dead, into the disappeared, the despised. None of you has seen everything. None of you has said everything. What you have not noticed, we have noticed. What you have ignored, we have not. Incredible. Yeah. Maybe very, I'll, um, very, very strong. This, this one is, is like, okay, I'll, I'll just read you um, one more. But I really feel like everybody who's at least interested in in uh, poetry and, and the planet and justice and even the, the mystery should, should um, get the collected poems of Lucille Clifton because there's so much more. And the tone in these poems is rather different from the tone of, of most of the rest of her work. And, and this volume is called The Collected Poems. Yeah, the, these poems were first published in a book called Mercy. Um, and um, and uh, they Kevin Young edited her collected poems, which came out a few years ago, and it has some of the un, uncollected and unpublished poems that she wrote at the very end of her life. Oh, maybe that would be a good place to to skip to. Um, you know, Brian Stevenson's book is called Just Mercy. Hmm. This is a 
concept we need to reacquaint ourselves yeah. with. Yes. You know, and also, I mean, the idea that, that mercy is something that we afford others is probably the wrong way of looking at it, right? Um, it's probably something that we need to be um, seeking, um, perhaps from sources that we hadn't anticipated. Um, okay, the last, I feel like I can't really go wrong, so I'm just going to skip ahead to the to the back of the book. Um Oh, this is a funny poem, an American story. One year, a naked white guy parked his car by our elementary school. Kids called him the nude dude and laughed when they told the story. I didn't believe it was, I didn't believe it because I was on the honor roll until the afternoon he hopped at me all pink and sweaty and asked me, little girl, have you ever seen a white man's pride? And I replied, oh, yes, sir, many times, many times. Very, it's really strong. I mean, I'm, I'm going to get myself that collection, and I hope everybody else will as well. I mean, they are, they are very poignant poems, and I'm really, I'm really glad and grateful that you read them. And, you know, in, 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 in closing, Tracy, I would, I would love on this phone call for you also to read something of your own, and 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 maybe from Life on Mars, because it's a collection that I I truly I truly love, and I know there's there's one particular connection there to since he passed away recently uh, to David Bowie, oh, and and you 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 might you might choose to read that or something else. Did you ever meet Bowie? No, I didn't. I think it was for the best. I don't know what what I would have done. <laughs> I think I would have just lost all composure. But maybe, but maybe you know, he was such a reader. I don't know if you have ever seen uh, lists. Uh, he has, his people have compiled lists of list of books he suggested we read. Oh, have, really? have you ever seen that? No, I, I have not. I will send it to you. Open Culture, which is a a wonderful website, um, has compiled compiled, I think, 50 or 100 books that David Bowie believes everyone should read. And they are, they are fantastic, um, you know, very learned and very diverse. And you could just see to what extent he was a man of appetite. Oh, how wonderful. Yes, I will find the list and get, get cracking uh, on absolutely. his list. Um, okay, I'll read, um, actually, I'll read you a poem that... Um, when I first wrote, there, there's a poem in the book called Don't You Wonder Sometimes that is kind of an homage to Bowie. When I first published it, it um, had a few other sections within it that, um, to my mind, were kind of spiraling off from my notion of, of him. But when I looked at them as poems, they seemed to really want to be speaking in different directions, so I, I made them their own poems. But maybe I'll read one of those. Please um, do. And it's called The Soul. The voice is clean, has heft, like stones dropped in still water or tossed one after the other at a low wall, chipping away at what pushes back, not always making a dent, but keeping at it. And the silence around it is a door punched through with light, a garment that attests to breasts, 
the privacy between thighs. The body is what we lean toward, tensing as it darts, dancing away. But it's the voice that enters us, even saying nothing, even saying nothing over and over absently to itself. Tracy, thank you so much for this. Thank you, thank you so much for this, and, and um, bon voyage. I hope it's, it's um, a magnificent trip you have, and, and um, that it gives you both, that it nurtures you both in terms of, of, of being with, with your daughter and having privacy of the kind you like. Being alone together. Being alone together, or, or to, to quote again the Winnicott line, to be alone in the presence of the mother. Maybe, maybe that's what your, your daughter might experience. Maybe she will be, she will be um, sustaining herself by, by being close to you and seeing what you do. And um, I'm, I'm sure it will be a remarkable experience for you both. And certainly hearing you read these, these, these poems and talking to you has been wonderful for me, and I, I look forward to when we meet in person soon again, I hope. Oh, so do I. And this has been such a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, and take care of yourself, and see you in the fall. Okay, you take care too. Bye-bye.